Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back. So glad to be here. Monday morning. How was your weekend? Uh, My weekend was good. It was busy. I have not one, but two Girl Scouts in my house right now, and it is Girl Scout cookie season, if you didn't know. I I do know, because I have many of those boxes in my kitchen from your daughters right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm expecting a second order. I know, I know. Get over this week. Because okay. I do have two daughters, so now it needs to be from the other one. Uh, Colin, my husband was unloading the boxes that I had brought home after I bought them, and he was like, you don't even like toffee. And I was like, her daughters are really good salespeople. <laughs> Man, they are convincing at five and seven, are they not? I, I mean, those big eyes. Yeah. Just, oh, just one more box, please, Nia. Yeah, help us reach our goal. <laughs> well, thank you. We really well appreciate your business. And it's great to, you know, eat cookies and think that you're helping women's empowerment. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have this new cookie this year. It's called a Lemon Up. It, and it has actual um, empowerment statements on them. Oh, how lovely. So you eat one and it says, you are a leader. Oh, I know. I know. I haven't broken into those yet. There I will you enjoy go. That Something to look forward to. <laughs> How was your weekend? Oh, it was lovely. I actually I got to do a great training with a local nonprofit on fundraising with their board, and it was great because I came in after another board member had kind of warmed them up. It was like my opening act. I walk in, they're all just busting out laughing, which makes talking about fundraising so much easier. So it was like so you, fun. So you had a hype person before, I know. before you. I emailed him afterwards. I was like, I'm going to start paying you to come to the beginning <laughs> of all my trainings. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about today? I think we should talk about hiring in nonprofits. Oh, I like it. Is there an inspiration or something that inspired this topic? Um, yes. Uh, well, you and I have talked about uh, the myriad issues with hiring and nonprofits, and we've all struggled to fill roles. Um, but I, it, it was just highlighted to me again this week when I got a an email from a colleague um, whose daughter wants to shift from for-profit to nonprofit, wants to give back, wants to feel more fulfilled in her job. Sure, sure. She's like a year out of college. Oh, and a newbie. She's, She's hoping to make $70,000. Doing what? <laughs> marketing. 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 And I, do you know what my marketing budget is? <laughs> it's not, it's nowhere close to $70,000. Is it four figures? <laughs> Maybe five? Exactly. <laughs> well, it was, it was so sweet. And of course, well-intentioned mom trying to reach out to her connections. Yeah, sure. Get her plugged in. And I was able to kind of help enlighten her on what, kind of roles actually pay that in nonprofits and that her daughter's probably not quite qualified. But it uh, it definitely made me chuckle a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Has she started looking um, on the nonprofit websites? Yeah, I gave her some links, but I also recommend maybe she look at some B Corps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, go for profit while still, you know, having that social connection. 
Well, it's a good thing that you gave them a heads up on what current salaries tend to be because what I notice is that, um, and maybe this is, I don't know if they do this in the for-profit too, but definitely in our sector, we seem to be reluctant to post our salary ranges. Oh, this makes me so angry. Um, again, our best friend Vu um, has some great articles about this and how a unicorn loses its wings every time <laughs> posting goes up without. So actually, wouldn't that be a Pegasus? I don't know. Anyway, um, but I, I mean, just the, the the equity issues aside, it just makes no fucking sense to me. No. So you get to your final candidates and you finally tell them this is the salary and they bolt. You've just wasted a shit ton of time vetting them, interviewing them, going through that whole process, as have the candidates. Put the salary out there. Just let people know. Yeah. Let people know. Now, I will say there have been times where I have gone through the interview process, got to the end, said what the salary was. The person countered and said, well, I really need X amount. And because they were such a strong candidate, we were able to shift some priorities in our budget and make it happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would say that that needs to be a practice for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell everybody that I interview or work with, always counter on your salary. Oh, yeah. Even in the nonprofit sector. Because the worst they're going to say is no. Right. But they're not going to say, and now we rescind the job offer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You were too confident for us. Sorry. No job. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we also know that not posting salaries disproportionately hurts women and people of color. Yeah. Because they are less likely to have had strong salary histories. We know that there's still a significant wage gap. And so when we just base it on that, you know, we say, send your salary... Um, Requirements. History. Oh, history. That's the okay. one that really drives me. Send your salary history. And then it's like the nonprofit is somehow going to determine the salary based on that. We continue to underpay women and people of color. So put the salary range out there. Let people know if it's actually going to allow them to afford this job. And if not, great for both of you. Exactly. Well, do you know I read something um, the other day about how women typically only apply for jobs in which they feel they meet 100% of the qualifications. And I think men, it's like 25% or something something like that. (laughs) Like, well, I probably know half of it and I can just figure the other half out. I know what these words mean. I'm qualified. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But we shortchange ourselves as women and think, oh, I'm not, I don't have this one thing that they're asking for. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to apply. Yes, yes. Now, all of you out there right now who are job searching, apply. Yeah. And research the things. See if you have applicable experience that can pull over and and work with that. I would much rather have a candidate who meets 75% of the criteria and needs training on the other 25%, but is right for the culture of the organization, that's a right fit for you know, some of the bigger tasks than somebody who says, yes, I can do a hundred percent of this, but maybe not well, or they're not le- willing to learn. Well, cause here's the truth. You're probably not going to have a hundred percent of the qualifications for a nonprofit posting because we're making <laughs> shit up anyways. We're taking one job and we're shoving like five different jobs into it. So if you have experience with HR, but somehow are also a CPA and somehow can do IT, I mean, we make it unrealistic that we're ever going to find that candidate. 
I was looking recently at a job posting a friend had sent me. Uh, I was looking for like an operations job. I shit you not. It included certified arborist preferred. No. <laughs> Who the hell is applying for operations jobs that are also arborists? Stop it. <laughs> I I used to have this boss, bless her heart, and she'd say, you know, we just need to find somebody who worked in the for-profit sector for 30 years and now they're looking to, you know, ratchet down a little bit and maybe they only <laughs> want to work 20 hours a week and they're okay only making X amount of money. Who is this person? Who are they? Where are they? They are mythical. Yes. It's a mythical person that does not exist. No, no. It, I've heard that so many times and I'll say I'll, I've, I've even been guilty of that. Like you start to get in your mind, this is the person I want. I'm, I'm looking for somebody who can can really afford this job, which really means is like independently wealthy and can afford our ridiculously low salaries, um, who somehow has like all of the connections, but is also like, okay, filing for me. Like who, who are these people that we think are going to come into our organization? So I do that too with graphic design. It's like, I don't care what we're hiring for. Maybe we're hiring for a finance person or a program person or an admin or so. And it's like, and it would be great if they had graphic design experience. <laughs> you just need to get yourself a subscription to Canva. I know. Well, amen to that. You're right. Thank goodness Canva exists now. Hot tip out there. If you don't have Canva, get it. Get the free nonprofit version. You've got full access. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Okay. So we finally, we have the job posting out there. We're getting the candidates what kind of stories do you have about what are those really ripe stories <laughs> from hiring? Well, they're, I mean, they're the obvious ones that I'm sure we've all experienced. Like the people who take a question and go on for 10 minutes oh, in a 15 minute phone interview. Yeah. I, I actually even had a candidate come back after we didn't offer her a second round and asked her and asked me why she didn't get it. And I had to so kindly say like, you are very clearly committed and passionate about this one thing, but I actually asked you about this other thing. And so you never answered my questions. And, and so I, I really couldn't identify if you were a fit for this job, which really meant you are a chatty Kathy and you could not stay focused on the interview at hand. Was that me? <laughs> <laughs> I know that has probably been me at some time or not. Probably. But I like to think I'm charming enough that they give me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. And again, I don't have, I haven't worked in the for-profit sector. I don't pretend to know what it's like out there. But I think because the nonprofits that I have worked for tend to be smaller human services nonprofits, we're so concerned about fit mm -hmm. that the hiring process itself is this gauntlet. Yes. I mean, I will never forget the job I applied for. I, so I had I had a um, phone interview with the ED and DD, and I was applying for the DD's position, development director's position. Had the phone interview, then they're like, okay, well, I'd like to bring you in for an interview. Come in for an interview. There's seven people Whoa. there for the interview, like the whole team, <laughs> right? And then they said, okay, now we'd like to bring you back for another interview. And there were seven more people, oh my gosh. this time mostly board members. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the board members at the end, I'll never forget, 
she looked at me and her question was, how would I feel supervising somebody younger than me? Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, excuse me, older than me. Oh, that older makes than more me. Sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, I said, I don't have a problem doing that. I, you know, mm-hmm. age is kind of irrelevant, you mm-hmm. know. And she said, um, she made age remark after age remark after age remark. Mm-hmm. And finally, I said, I just want to call the elephant out in the room here. Do you have a problem with how old I am? Because I don't see that as being an issue, nor lawful, really. Right. right. Most importantly, <laughs> what you're doing is illegal. This Knock is against off. the law. And it turned out that the person I was replacing, I was actually older than her. They were just making some assumptions, I guess, based on um, my smooth skin and my resume. <laughs> <laughs> My great genes <laughs> and some dates on my resume. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the ageism, I think we've probably both experienced in job interviews, yes. is excessive. I actually got to the point where I removed the dates of graduation um, from my resume. Look at you. Um, so now everybody thinks that you're 70 years old. Obviously. <laughs> Based on my experience. Because the only resumes that I get from people that take the dates off is because they're of an older generation <laughs> and they don't want me to do the math. Well, I I also just didn't want people doing the math and assuming that like experience I had while I was in college was irrelevant. Right. Because that's what they would do. They'd be like, oh, she had this job while she was still in college. It must have been not important. And yet, actually, it was very formative in my in my development as a nonprofit professional. Sure. Um, but that did also make me think of some of the amazingly awful and funny things people say in interviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. hiring for a marketing intern, paid marketing internship, I want to say. Pay your interns. Um, And we have a... Hashtag pay your interns. Yes! Brittany hashtag for the week. Uh, (laughs) We've got a university right here in town in Boulder, and so we had a a great pool to pull from. Um, And so I was interviewing this girl. And of course, part of this marketing internship involves some social media and she uh, she goes, uh, yeah, luckily, I, I'm really tech suave. Oh. And the three of us on the panel all just kind of like looked up and looked at each other. <laughs> and I, I have no idea what she said the rest of the interview. I was so caught up on tech suave. Well, maybe that's what the kids are saying nowadays. No, no. Are you sure? I am 100% sure. Maybe you're just not down. <laughs> Brittany, I'm quite sure she was trying to say savvy and she didn't realize that that's how it's pronounced. Well, I have a question for you. Has anybody ever brought up anal sex in an interview to you? <laughs> you know what? I think I have uh, dodged that bullet. It sounds like you haven't. I have not. No, I can't even remember what the position was for. Honestly, it was probably either events or marketing or something. I don't know. And she <clears throat> was referred to us through a board member and so you know not that I wouldn't have given her an interview but we definitely were going to give her an interview because she was uh, a friend of a board member and she was very lively and um open book mm-hmm. you know genuine I I really appreciated all that but when she started making comments of her daughter asking her about anal sex mm. Yeah, it's like it. It. I have a pretty um, like you gotta do a lot to jump over that line, but she just sailed over it. I mean, 
after that. And then the board member wanted to know why we didn't hire her. And it was really hard for me. I didn't tell her that. Um, There were other reasons why she wasn't the best fit for the job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, But like... Being able to maintain basic boundaries in an interview. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's reason enough. Yes. Let's also talk about board members pushing candidates forward. Yes. Board members, cut that shit out. I know. It puts us in such an awful position. 100% of the time. It's not that we don't want you to be an ambassador for the organization and try to help us recruit good talent, but do it through the normal channel. Exactly. And don't make it such a, oh, this is my friend, this is my friend, this is right. my friend. Did you interview my friend? How'd that go? How was the interview? And don't follow up afterwards on their behalf. If the candidate wants to know and get feedback, have them reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, some of the things that we used to do in our interviews, I had a coworker once who would just always slip the word fuck into the interview at some <laughs> point in time and then see, because to see if they were a culture fit. <laughs> like they could handle his, like, yeah, his potty mouth. <laughs> yeah, the, if they went white in the face or kind of you know gasped, then it wasn't gonna work. Oh my gosh! So that was his own strategy for weeding out people that may not be the great fit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you, I mean, you're working so closely with yeah. people and. Just like we talked about in past episodes about you're all sharing and experience vicarious trauma at the same time. And so I get that you want to make sure that's the right person. Mm-hmm. But I had a boss that used to say anybody can be normal for an hour. That's so true. <laughs> so true. I do want to make sure that we are very clear, though. Like when we're talking about cultural fit in terms of interviews, like we really want to look at values alignment yes. and that kind of thing. Because often... Cultural fit can be used to say, we want people who look like us. Right. And and so people will often be just racist or sexist under the guise of cultural fit. And that's not what we're talking about. No. We want people who are genuinely there for the right reasons, who understand the values of the organization. I mean, we would have people come in um, and, and say things that were so counter to our mission. And that was a great way for us to weed them out and say, like, clearly not a good cultural fit because they, they just don't believe in the work and the way in which we do it. Right. Or, for example, one aspect of um, a program that I was working at was that we offered uh, contraceptives and sexual health mm-hmm. education to the clients that we were serving. Course, yeah. And if somebody needed a referral to a clinic, then mm-hmm. we gave them that. And there are certain people that would interview that that didn't align with their values. Exactly. Yeah. And that's fine. But we wanted to make sure that that was clear up front. Right. Yeah. I will say, I've got some good interview stories. So uh, we, for certain positions that were uh, heavy in training or public presentations, we would always include some sort of presentation in like the last round of interviewing. And usually I would say, you know, five minutes on a topic of your choice. I don't want you feeling like you have to like learn our mission and programming and present on that. So something that you are passionate about, whatever that is, come in. Um, And so we'd have some fun ones like a Zumba instruction once. Somebody did a deep dive on policy, kind of tangential to our work. But my absolute favorite, forever and always, this woman came in um, and brought in a chainsaw and showed us how to properly use a chainsaw. Like, she brought in all the equipment for it, the helmet. Wow. Our office smelled like gas for, like, a week <laughs> afterwards. But it was so how amazing. Cool. Yes. It was, it was awesome. And she got the job, I should say. <laughs> 
And completely, I bet you weren't expecting that. Exactly, no. And she was so um, well-versed in it that it, it genuinely was a great presentation on top of it just being such a cool topic. Well, I appreciate that you give them the heads up first because I was in an interview once um, with seven people and the ED said, okay, I want you to stand up and imagine that we're all $10,000 away from hitting our fundraising goal and we're your staff. What speech are you going to give us right now to motivate us to hit our goal? Oh. What? I've had people make me do an oh. ask in the middle of an interview. Ah. So pretend I'm a donor and, and you need to get $50,000. Go for it. <laughs> what the awful i don't like that on the spot stuff no no i i i think we should recognize as nonprofits that we have a number of different types of learners and brains and all of that and so as much as we can do to to provide some prep for our candidates it's going to mean they're going to show up better and we're going to probably get a better sense of what they're truly capable of yeah because how often do you walk into a meeting with no prep and you're told to just like rally your team yeah, I don't think that's really fair, and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to catch you off guard and get you to improvise, and can you go with the flow, mm -hmm. but come on. No. It's, come on. I, I like uh, that thing you said the other earlier about, like, anybody can seem normal for an hour. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had anybody uh, show up for the first day, and you realize that it was an awful hire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why, yes, I have. Oh, great. <laughs> I had someone once who, um, so we hired her, and then she came in for her first day, and we gave her, we had to do background checks. Of course. So we gave her the background paperwork, and all of a sudden she froze, and she asked if she could delay the background check for a month. Just huh. a slight red flag. Slight red flag. Yeah. Just a little one. <laughs> And we said, well, no, because we actually need to get the background check back before you can start working. Right. And she informed us after we had had multiple interviews and, you know, all this time going into the hiring process, her first day she finally admits that she had a felony for, like, a child endangerment charge. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Definitely and not okay for your organization. Not okay for our organization. I don't know what the specifics were, nor do I really care. Um, but she said it was going to be expunged from her record in 22 days. Mm -hmm. So was it okay if we just waited to do the background check for a month after that was no <laughs> longer on her record? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Oh, I had a, it was a volunteer who had just finished the interviews and the training process and was about to get assigned to their first case, who then came to us and said that uh, not only did she have a DUI, but it was to the point where she had um, one of those like breathalyzers to mm -hmm. start your mm -hmm. car, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, generally we don't want to like expose the kids in our program to. Sure. And she tells us this literally the day we're like assigning her kids to work with. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 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 Would have been nice to know that a little bit earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also had somebody start, um, and this was for a position where the outgoing person was retiring. So we literally had like four days of overlap for the two of them for on the job training. 
went through day one. It was great. I checked in with her at the end of the day. You sure you're not overwhelmed? Great, great, great. Okay, I'm going to meet you here at this time tomorrow morning because I had some more paperwork for her to do. And that time comes and goes. She's not there. Another half an hour comes and goes. I finally text her. I'm like, are you on your way? Like, what's going on? I've got a meeting coming up. At noon, she finally calls and leaves me a voicemail knowing that I was going to be out of my office, I'm quite sure, to say that the commute was too much. What? Yeah, the commute. Even though she had driven to our office multiple times, she knew where... It's not like we had moved. It's not like she had moved. (laughs) But all of a sudden, the commute was too much. What? Had she been stuck in traffic for four hours? (laughs) No. I think she was just so embarrassed. Oh. And and then the worst part was, of course, we have to repost, do the whole nine again, and now I've got nobody to cross train. It's so cumbersome. Hiring is so cumbersome. And I find in all the different organizations that I work at, it is the number one cause of inefficiency or, you know, lack of progress. Right. I mean, if we could just get people in their jobs and stay in their jobs, we could actually build on instead of just trying to get by day to day. Yeah. Always treading water because you're doing three jobs because half of them are being posted or somebody hasn't started yet. And yeah. Which is links back to HR or the lack thereof. Right. <laughs> How often have you had an actual HR person in the nonprofits you've worked with? I've never. <laughs> I haven't. Have you? Uh, we, no, no, actually, no. Well, I worked for a university once, but that doesn't really count. That doesn't count. No. <laughs> Why is it that we think people who do finance can also do HR? <laughs> Thank you. Like, two very different aptitudes, and yet Completely. we so often shove them together. Yes. Here's something that's super relational, and then here's something that's not as relational, and we want you to be able to do both really well. Right. And not to say that there aren't the people who can do both, but they're like the one in a million. They're the unicorns. Yes. So stop making that into one fucking position. Well, and then even if you found somebody that had that skill set, what are the odds that they're going to work for the salary you're posting <laughs> it for? Right. They're like, I'm a fucking unicorn. Right. I I deserve six figures. <laughs> I'm going to the university down the street <laughs> who's going to pay me real well. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's laughable. Okay, so That's what are our... we're laughing. <laughs> Thanks. So what are our takeaways? Well, one thing that we haven't hit on that I think we should is in hiring in nonprofits, my sense is this is true of just about every geographic location, but our nonprofits are generally very tight knit. We know each other. Oh, yeah. We we work with each other for years and years and years. So don't burn fucking bridges. That's so true. I, I actually had that happen where um, somebody really like blew out on me um, as a client well, then they applied to work for the organization whose board I sit on. You know the CEO called me and was like, how right. is this person? Should we interview them? Right. Like, those kind of inter- informal references happen all the time. So don't burn bridges. Though this is a double standard or or what do I want to say? A paradox of sorts. Yes, you shouldn't burn a bridge, but at the same time... I have met so many people that have left their organization because of something that was happening within the organization that wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And instead of speaking to that oh, yeah. as they leave, they just say, oh, 
I decided I'm going to go back to school or I'm going to do this. And they, and so that organization never, or the people within it, like the board, never get that information. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so it never gets resolved. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, but I think there's a line between let's have a professional conversation where I can detail some of the concerns I have for the, the organization and, and actually write them down for you. It's a different thing to send an email out to the entire donor base on my way out the door with a big finger up oh my at the organization. Right? Uh, yeah, I yeah. would say so. Yeah, yeah. So watch yourself. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That is so true. So true. And I think for organizations, a takeaway is to be upfront and honest about what your budget is, what you're looking for, and um, recognizing that you're probably not going to find that perfect fit. Yeah. Or I mean, not fit, but um, the person that has all, all of, of the all of the things that you're putting in your mm-hmm. job description um, but like you said earlier, finding somebody who wants to be there mm-hmm. and is excited to learn. Yeah. That's absolutely critical. Yeah. Yeah. And then for the applicants, you know, to put, put it out there, you know, take a leap and apply for things. Even if you don't feel like you have a hundred percent of the qualifications, because the truth is we're not expecting you to anyways. Exactly. Yep. I feel like we could probably have 13 more episodes on all of this and on job descriptions and all of that. So we'll come back at it hard again. But for now, I think that's enough on hiring for today. Send us your stories, though. I know you have great hiring <laughs> stories. I know you do. <laughs> Interviews, first day stories, candidate stories. We want to hear them. And with that, we're going to say, I'm not going to say ta-ta again. I've been watching too much <laughs> British TV. <laughs> This is not the British Bake Off or whatever that show is you love to watch. Oh, British procedurals, all of them. Yeah. So we're going to sign off. Make sure you follow us on socials. We're at Nonprofit Reframe, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And just remember to please give and support your local nonprofits and give generously. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.